Dear Grieving Daughter or Son, Watching a parent near the end of his or her life is one of the most difficult things you will ever do. There is no getting ready for the goodbye. No matter how much you feel prepared for them to go, it will still surprise you. You will not regret being intentional with the time that you have with your parent. It will be heartbreaking to watch, and grief is to be expected along the way. There is hope you will find peace again. Raina, from No Regrets, hope for your caregiving season. Welcome to the Season of Caring Podcast, where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. This is Raina Nice as your host. Today, I'm going to jump into talking a little more about end of life. On our last podcast, number 129, I interviewed Pastor Rick Craig, who's also an author of a book called When It's Time, End of Life Planning at Any Age, Make It Part of Your Legacy. And he mentions that investment of your time and thoughtfulness in the gift of pre-planning will be an amazing gift for your loved ones. His book offers detailed information for pre-need situations when you're planning before death and at-need situations when the death has occurred and really being able to think about those two things. We hear a lot as caregivers about getting our documents in order, which is so important. It has to happen. We have to make sure that we have those durable power of attorneys for medical needs, financial needs, those kinds of things in place without a doubt. But there are so many more things involved in walking your loved one all the way home. And caregiving is that. We might have shorter caregiving seasons where we know that our loved one will get better, but many of us are actually on the journey of walking our loved one all the way home. And we know that that means we are going to need to deal with these really tough issues at some point. As I was doing research, I found some really good information I wanted to pass along to you today. First of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that we do need to be thinking about what's coming. And with that comes the conversation about palliative care versus hospice care. You're going to hear so many different stories about people's experiences with hospice and some sharing honestly misinformation or information that is old because hospice when my mom passed away was completely different than when my dad passed away, but understanding that there are some options. Palliative care encompasses the whole person, caring for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the patients and their families. It brings that extra layer of support in. It provides relief from pain and symptoms of certain illnesses like fatigue and nausea, shortness of breath, loss of appetite. The goal is really to prevent and relieve the symptoms so they can go on with their daily life. This is really being able to understand that palliative care and hospice care are not interchangeable. Hospice is only one type of palliative care, and it can be provided in the last six months of life, whereas palliative care can be offered anytime in the course of illness or really even at the beginning of a diagnosis. So understanding that palliative care might be an option for your loved one could be really helpful. So I think like all things, taking an opportunity to check in with your doctor and see if it's a good option for you. But there is definitely some opportunities to understand this concept better. That was the first thing I wanted to talk about. Understanding the difference between palliative care and hospice care. 
Some additional things to think about when you're looking at end of life is definitely making sure that those wills are finalized, that as you periodically check up with who the beneficiaries are and that they are who you want them to be, talk about funeral arrangements and make sure that you're aware of any specific needs that they have or encourage your loved one to go ahead and pre-plan their funeral if they want to talk about that privately with the funeral home or director. But really remembering those advanced directives and also do not resuscitate orders and getting a good understanding of what those mean and what your loved one will want in those situations. I found some information on the National Institute on Aging website, nia.nih.gov, about making decisions for someone else at end of life. If we haven't had all those difficult conversations before our loved one reaches a point where they can't, then what do we do? I hope that you have had those conversations, but honestly, so many twists and turns can happen in your loved one's journey that you probably haven't had a chance to talk about all of the things and don't really know how to make those decisions. I think that was one of the most surprising things to me is that when my mom was reaching the end of her life, she had an episode that made it where really honestly it was a a surprise. We knew we were dealing with Alzheimer's. We knew that she was progressing in her disease. We had to take her to the restroom and feed her. But really for years, we'd been doing those things for her. And suddenly she just got into a loop and she wasn't able to break out of that. There was nothing that they could do to help her. So we reached end of life at a point when Honestly, we weren't expecting it because there weren't physical things that were happening. Rather, it was something that happened in the brain. And at that point, then we were faced with some really difficult questions. We knew that she didn't want to be resuscitated. We knew that she didn't want to be on a feeding tube. But there were a lot of other things before we got to those things that we had to decide. It was surprising to me in my late 20s that we would have to make a decision on whether or not she would have an IV, which meant that it limited our medication options. So there was just a lot of details that I didn't know anything about. And I didn't realize they were part of the decision as a family you're going to be making. So I found this article that talks about making these decisions, and it talks about a couple of different ways to help you make decisions that you don't have black and white information about. And one of those is substituted judgment, and the other one is best interests. The best way to talk about these two things is through examples. So let me give you an example. Sally is called because the worst thing that she can imagine has happened. Her mom has been found in the home. She's had a massive stroke and rushed to the hospital. By the time Sally gets there, her mom's on a ventilator, and Sally is devastated. She just doesn't know what to do. As time passes, the doctor shares that there's no brain activity and asks Sally, what are the next steps? More than anything, Sally wishes she could talk to her mom. Making this decision feels like such a big decision. But through that time, she remembers a conversation that she and her mom had had after a neighbor had been involved in a car accident, had a head injury, and was in the hospital. Her mom said, gosh, I wouldn't want to live like that. Sally remembers that conversation. And though it's not exactly the same situation, Sally can take comfort in remembering that her mom had specifically said, I wouldn't want to live that way. 
she can use substituted judgment to have confidence in her decision to go ahead and allow her mom to pass. The second situation is best interests. In this situation, Joe's dad, who suffers with dementia, has been diagnosed with cancer. It's lung cancer, but it's spread. There seems to be a new pain in his back, and with additional testing, they find a large mass. The cancer is now spread to the back area. The doctor recommends surgery to remove that mass and relieve the pain, but it's not going to cure the cancer. It's too far gone and inoperable in other places. Joe doesn't know exactly what he should do, but he begins to be concerned as he talks to the doctor about the risks of surgery and understanding the difficult recovery that's involved in a surgery like this. Joe's able to consider the fact that his dad loves being outside, spending time with his friends and family, and going through a major surgery and recovery is not going to allow him to do any of those things, not to mention the impact of the anesthesia on the dementia. Looking at best interests in the long run, Joe's able to make a decision on his dad's behalf and allow him to not have the surgery, but rather have comfort care and pass peacefully. Both of these situations are not easy, but having the opportunity to understand that you can make decisions based on substituted judgment and best interests really does give you some additional tools to think about when you find yourself in this situation goes on to share some additional questions that you can ask the doctor to help you as you're trying to make these types of decisions at end of life. Here are the few questions that they recommend you ask. What might we expect to happen in the next few hours, days, or weeks if we continue our current course of treatment? Will treatment provide quality time with family and friends? What if we don't want the treatment offered? What happens then? When should we begin to consider hospice care? Can he or she receive hospice care at home or in the hospital? If we begin hospice, will the person be denied any specific treatments? What medications would be given to help manage pain or other symptoms? And what are the side effects of these medications? What will happen if our family member stops eating or drinking? What are some of the benefits or risks of having a feeding tube? If we are trying to use the ventilator to help with breathing and then decide to stop, how will that be done? I find these questions are not only specific, but help you to really start to examine all the options. Many times we have to consider a doctor's goal is to cure the person and to do everything possible to meet that goal. So it can be difficult to even explore some of the other options as far as stopping treatment or shifting care to palliative care or hospice. It's a really a good idea to have all the primary decision makers a part of these conversations, hearing from the doctor themselves at the same time as being able to ask additional questions that they might have. It might also be helpful to bring in a bystander that does not have the emotional attachment to your loved one. Emotions can really mess with our hearing. So being able to have someone who is not in an emotional state in this conversation take notes and just be an observer can be amazingly helpful. We don't want someone who's going to jump in or even offer their opinion, 
Really, their goal is just to listen, take notes, and help offer you additional information later if there's anything that you don't remember. I found this article extremely helpful, full of lots of different ideas. So I do encourage you to visit our show notes page at aseasonofcaring.com slash podcast, and you can find additional information about having conversations and being able to make end-of-life decisions for your loved one. The third and final thing I wanted to mention today was something I had not heard about until I started researching, and that was called an ethical will. Now we know our paperwork's in order. We talked about that earlier. Definitely want to have wills and trusts and all of those things for our physical items that we own and the importance of being able to hand those down and be able to share where we want those to go, considering beneficiaries and all of those things. Very important. This is called an ethical will. An ethical will is actually a will that shares your beliefs, values, and life lessons for future generations. I think it's exciting to think about. When I read through the information on ethical will, I thought I would have loved to have asked my dad these specific questions and heard this information straight from his mouth. You can find a copy of the ethical will that I'll be talking about at everplans.com. Again, I'll share that link on our show notes page at a seasonofcaring.com slash podcast. I was reading and it was talking about different seasons of life. And they talked about the very last season of life was a season of reflection and evaluating your legacy. I thought that is so true. We know when we're reaching the end of our years and really wanting to be able to share our legacy with others. And I found this ethical will to be a perfect piece of helping people share their legacy. I think it would be a great thing to do with those that you're caring for, to be able to do it just conversationally, either recording their answers by having their voice and then typing it out, or just being able to ask them to type it out depending on if they're able to and interested in doing that. But I think this is such a great way to ensure their legacy and their very own words, which is so special. So this ethical will includes six categories. The first one would be their personal history. What are the basics? What are you about? Where are you from? Who is mom and dad? You might find some new interesting things you never knew, even just in that simple part. The next section is favorite things, favorite travel, entertainment, and of course, food. Sharing recipes can be amazing. So making sure those things are passed down to next generation. Then we talk about academic and professional life. Not just what they did, but lessons that they learned through those different seasons of life. They can be so valuable to future generations. Number four, most meaningful experiences, moments that they cherished or didn't. Wouldn't it be great to have some of those stories specifically shared with intention? I want you to know, I loved it when this happened, or this is one of my favorite memories, or this is one of my least favorite times religious and political views. These can be really important to just be able to express our beliefs and our views. And the last one is hopes for the future, advice for the next generation, specifically speaking into them all the things that we've learned through this journey of life so that before they are walked all the way home, we have this treasure to share not only with you, but with generations to come. Thank you for joining me today on a Season of Caring podcast. It's been a joy to talk with you. It can be challenging 
to talk about end of life. So I hope that you found some of the things that I covered today from palliative care and hospice to ways to help you make end of life decisions and to be able to pass a legacy down to be really helpful. The Season of Caring podcast has been created for the encouragement of family caregivers. If you have financial, legal, or medical questions, be sure to consult a local professional and take heart in your season of caring. This episode has been brought to you by No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season by Raina Nysons. This book is my heart project, full of personal stories and practical takeaways, offering you hope for your caregiving season. It can be found at all major retailers. If you read No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season, I would love it if you would leave a review.